0: chapter 25, and we're looking at the parable of the ten talents in verses 14 through 30. And what we're doing as we're diving into this passage, we are asking a, uh, a huge but yet a personal question. Whose business are we really about in this life? Are we about our master's business, or are we about really our business? Whose business are we really about. And we're going to ask that as we dive into this passage. Um, but let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit for us to just drink deeply from the truths of this in, in, inexhaustible text. Amen? Let's do that. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you are faithful to us when we are unfaithful to you. Now Lord, no matter what you are caring for us, you are providing for us, you are looking after us, You are a father who gives good gifts to his children. May we be reminded, even when we are exhorted to live for you in all compartments of our lives like we are in this text, that we would continually strive to do that, but also know there is grace and love when we fail. Lord Jesus, we love you, we thank you, we commit our time, our talent, and our treasures to you. Help us to live for your glory, Lord Jesus, and all God's people say, amen, amen. Well, we're just jumping into Matthew chapter 25, and so you're probably wondering, well, what's just going on, because I don't have any context. Let me give you brief context for our passage. makes a little bit more sense when we dive into this parable. So in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, we have Jesus preaching to his disciples on the Mount of olives and he's teaching about the end of the world and also his second coming which comes at the end of the world. So we're talking about his return. He says, I'm gonna go away soon, but I'm going to return and it's gonna be a big deal. And he also says, be ready because the son of man is gonna come at an hour which you do not expect. So he says, wait, but wait with anticipation. I am coming, be ready. You are my people. And so this is the urgency he's giving us. But he doesn't just say, I just want you to wait for my second coming. He's going to tell us in this passage how to be people who wait with anticipation and and how we are to wait in all the compartments of our lives. Because he gives us things. And he says, there's things for us that I've given you in your lives. You are to give back for my glory and your enjoyment. In the meantime, while you're waiting for me, there is work to do in my kingdom. So he tells us, we are to be a people who wait with anticipation, but also are loving and faithful with what he gives to us, we give back to others. And so, this is a passage where we're going to see three main things. We're going to see a master's challenge in this parable in verses 14 to 15. Second, we're going to see the servant's response in verses 16 to 18. And then third, we're going to see the master's challenge And verses uh, 19 through 30. And so let's take a look at that first point. Verses 14 and 15. The master's challenge. Verse 14 of our passage says this. For it will be like a man going on a journey. Who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents. To another two. To another servant one talent. Each according to his own ability. And then he the master went Away. What we have here is uh, an analogy of a master and his servants. Jesus speaking to help his disciples understand this truth that God is the master and he gives to his disciples. But his disciples, who are on the receiving end, being gifted certain things by God, are to use those things for the sake of the building up of their heavenly master, their king, to build up the kingdom. And so they're to be people of the master's business. And he's giving this, this really easy to understand but yet beautiful challenge saying, whose business are we really about? We know we have a master, we are servants, but what kind of people are we? And so the parable of the ten talents compares Jesus' return really to like a, and the wait for that return as a man going on really on a long journey. That's kind of the analogy here. But as we see this master who's going out on a long journey, He's incredibly wealthy. He's Bill Gates, Donald Trump wealthy and then some. Vast funds. He also has servants. And these servants with varying abilities, varying gifts. And the servant or the master knowing these servants well, knowing that not they're they're not all identical ability. He gives them certain amounts of money according to their ability, according to their gifts. And says to one of the servants he gave five talents. To another of, of his servants he gave two talents. To another of his servants he gave one talent. Each according to their own ability. Now it's, it's important to note that this talent is not like what we might see at a, uh, a talent show. At a high school or America's Got Talent. The TV show. We're not pulling rabbits you know, out of hats. or doing magic tricks or card things. Not at all. A talent in the New Testament time was a unit of money. To be precise, it's a a weight of precious metal, typically of gold or silver. And so what we have here is a master going on a long journey, but giving his three servants bags of gold or silver, large amounts of money. And the talent was kind of, it's close to equaling about 20 years wage of a common worker. So if we were to say this parable afresh today, we might say, the master gave one of his servants five million. To another servant he gave two million. To another servant he gave one million, each according to their own ability. That's not a small sum of money, right? That's also a large amount of responsibility given to these servants. And what we see is is we see the love of the servants for the master and what they do with it, or we see the disdain for their master, maybe a lack of doing things with these funds. But the reason this first point is called the Master's Challenge is because this is an opportunity for the servants to be entrusted. They are given these gifts, and they are to be entrusted with it, and this opportunity to show the Master love and devotion or disdain. And so their actions speak very loudly about what's going on in their heart, whether they love him or whether they do not. But this gifting, this Master going on this journey, and this gifting of them with these talents, this money, it's out of delight the master has for his servants that he entrusts them this money to do work for his kingdom, his glory, their enjoyment. But for one of the servants, this is not good news. He is not happy about this whatsoever. And that's where we see the servant's response in verses 16 to 18. Verse 16 says, He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he who had had the two talents made two talents more. But he who would received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. What's interesting to note is that the master left no specific instructions that were told of what to do with the money. But he expects them to invest it, to do something with it, right? We see that. And so what the servants do with the money is quite revealing about what's really going on in their hearts. And how they feel and how they love or don't love their master. Just like how you and I, how we spend our time, our money, right? Our talents, our gifts that we have. How we spend these things, how we use these things reveals a lot about what we treasure and who we treasure in this life. That's the same thing going on with the servants right here and their actions or lack thereof. And so the servant who was given, we're going to say $5 million, he invested that $5 million. he put it to work, Made five million more, equaling ten million. The servant who was given two million, he put that two million to work, invested it, making four million. And the one servant who was given one million, did nothing with the money. He dug a hole, threw it in there, left it be, and didn't have to do any work for his master. Didn't care about it, and showed that by the lack of. I want nothing to do with this. His actions spoke very loudly, so clearly who loved the master. Right, The first two servants working for the master's glory, expanding his business, his kingdom. They showed love and devotion, but the one who didn't did nothing with it and simply hid it away. What Jesus is telling us, he's keenly interested in how we live while we wait for his return. Or if we go to be with the Lord before, right? Maybe we meet him on the other side of the grave. And so he's saying he's keenly interested in how we live and what we do with what he gives us. That's a big deal. Now, because what we do with what he gives us is an indicator of who we treasure, what we treasure, and whose business we're really about in every compartment of our lives. Because maybe in some compartments we love the Lord, but in others we're like, no, I'm actually going to kind of be Lord of my life in that area. He's saying, do you love me? Do you love me in all compartments and areas? of your life. Sometimes I think we in the Christian church often think that the only thing that matters is just that we love Jesus, pray salvation prayer, um, and like that's it. That absolutely matters. But also the life of the believer matters as well. John 15 talks about the vine and the branches. When we are the branches connected to the vine Jesus, we should bear fruit But the Lord also says when we don't bear fruit, he prunes and cuts them as well and throws even some which bear no fruit and he cuts them off and they wither away. Which is also a great warning, which we're going to receive in just a little bit in this text. But he says, are you a people who love me and delight in doing my business with what I've given you? That's a question we need to think about. Because if we love him, it should show in the way we live, there should be fruit in our lives. The way we give to others, the way we love others, the way we care for other people, the way we love the Lord, the time we spend praying to Him, reading scriptures, fellowshipping together, fellowshipping with others. These things, these outer things, show an inner reality of what's really going on in our lives, whose business we're really about, who our treasure is. You see, the point of this parable, too, is also to reveal a heart that does not love the Master. Maybe it professes with its lips, but it's not showing itself in action. May we be a people that is not like that, who just profess, Lord Jesus, I love you. But then we don't show that to others in actions. May we be people who profess we love Jesus. And also, with the things we're given, show our love towards others. And bringing honor and glory to God. Matthew 6 says this, Where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Jesus asking, Whom do you serve? Who is your master? Is it you or your heavenly father? And what our life reflects is a big deal. It really is. And it's a hard thing, but it's something that we need to hear because the Lord says in our passage, we're either going to hear one day when we meet him, whether on his return. Or we go to meet him before his return. Right? The other side of the grave. He's going to say to us, Either one, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will now set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master because you have delighted in the gospel, delighted in Jesus, and pouring out to others because you were first poured into by his son. Or he's going to say, I never knew you cast out the worthless servant into the outer darkness and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth because we did not love Jesus. We did not love the gospel. We did not love caring for others. We didn't do anything with what he already gave us. Jesus is very keenly interested in in how we live. He's not saying you can earn your salvation because you can't just do a bunch of good works to earn your salvation. But when you know Jesus, he's saying, Are you using what I am giving you for my glory, your enjoyment, for the love of God and the love of others here in Virginia Beach, where you work, in your homes? Are you doing that? We see in the master's judgment in verses 19 through 30, he says, Now after a long time, the master of those servants, he came back, returned, settled accounts with his servants, And he who had received the five talents, he came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you have delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five more. The master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also had been given two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. The master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. But he who had received one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have back what is yours. But the master answered him saying, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew I reap where I had not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with bankers and at my coming in return should have received what was my own, but with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to every one who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. These are not easy words to hear. They are not. But this is the word of the Lord. And it speaks both directly as a reward, but also a warning for what we do with what God gives us. Does the treasure in our lives and thus pouring it out to others reveal that we truly love Jesus we really want to know Him and give all things back to Him. Or are our, our lives just show that we profess with Jesus, but our hearts are actually very far from Him? What do our lives show? He's saying, this is a really big deal. The Master shows favor not based upon the amount of the return that the servants give back to Him, but that which is proportionate to what was given in the first place. That's a big deal. Because he gave them, remember in the beginning, according to their own ability. He gave them. And then he expected simply just a return proportionate to what was already given. He was just as pleased with the servant who gave him four talents as the one who is ten. Because God was the one giving them the talents in the first place, right? The five and the two. He's not looking for this mass return but a return that's proportionate to what he gives you. Let me break it down this way. If the Lord has given you the gift of teaching, teach others well. Teach them to love Jesus Christ. Use that gift for God's glory and your enjoyment and care for people. If he's given you the gift of serving others, serve others well. Take positions where you can serve. Care for people. Teach other people how to serve because you have been first served by Jesus Christ himself. If you have the gift of hospitality, have people over, show warmth and love here at church, at your home, but also beyond. And teach other people how to show that hospitality. Because you have been first cared for and showed warmth, grace, mercy by your Lord Jesus Christ. If you have the gift of wealth, give generously to others, to Redeemer, also RUF, because the Lord has first given to you. But we give these things because we are first provided for and given, right? We are given things by our Heavenly Father. We are simply to use these things for His glory. And when we do that, we enjoy life so much more. That's what He's calling us. He's looking for a return during your life that's proportionate to what He gives you. And He's just as pleased with the person who gave Him four as the one who gave Him ten. Same beautiful response. I think a lot about this in my personal life, too, because as a preacher, I'm probably never going to be a Ravi Zacharias, a uh, Tim Keller, a John Piper, a Billy Graham, a Charles Spurgeon, or a Jonathan Edwards, because I may be, I'm probably not given a five talents right of preaching, but maybe, maybe two, and I have to be uh, just realizing that, you know what, that's okay, and that's good, and the Lord's not looking for a ten-talent return if he's only given me two talents. And so I need to be faithful what the Lord has given me and giving that back to Him with whatever gifts, my money, my time, my talent, my treasures, the things I love, I need to use for His glory and His honor. And I have to realize that the Lord's going to be just as pleased with me. And that's a good thing. But I say these things for us to think about because there's a lot of compartments in our lives where we have not given the Lord control and where we seek control and we are masters of our own business in those compartments. And Lord is saying, we are to be a people about His business in every way, every shape, and every form of our lives. And He's calling us and saying, I have first given to you. Give to me and give to others out of love. And I'm going to keep taking care of you. I'm going to keep providing for you and keep loving you through it all and in it all. I got a beautiful picture of this in the life of my grandmother. We called her Nana. And um, she loved the Lord. She was not a a five-talent seamstress. She was not five talents in wealth. But I'll tell you what, she was good. She's maybe a two-talent seamstress, maybe two talents of wealth. But I'll tell you what, she gave what she had. She used her gifts for God's glory. Making beautiful quilts, blankets, pillowcases for all of us children, grandchildren, neighbors, folks at her church. She's using her gift to bless others. She gave of the money that she had. It wasn't a lot. But she gave to others. Caring for them when they were in need. When we were in need. As children. Neighbors who are going through a hard time. She would just write a check and say, Lord bless you. And that's it. And walk away. Caring for other people. Tithing to her church. Caring for others. She spent her time come to all of her graduations, caring for children in the neighborhood, babysitting them, giving countless hours, right, of the difficulties, even sleepless nights away, because she had time to give to others, to show them the love of Jesus Christ in tangible ways. She loved the Lord with her lips. She would profess that, but she lived it as well, too. She gave of what she had and is beautiful, and I love that. I love that when I think about my grandmother, Because she was faithful with what the Lord gave her. And I know the Lord said to her when she met him in glory just two years ago, well done, good and faithful servant. I love that. I want to hear the Lord say that to me. I want the Lord to say that to you. The Lord is interested in what you do with what he's given you. But may we be a people who ask the Lord time and time again, Lord, you give so much to us. How can I give back to you And to others for your glory and my enjoyment of that as well. May we be people who continually ask that. He's a God who loves to answer that prayer. Amen? He does indeed. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. And Lord, we love you. And we have that capacity because we have first been loved and provided for by you. Lord, because you are a good father who give good gifts to your children... May we give back to you, Lord, proportionately to what you give us. And that you are pleased, Lord, when we care for others with what you give us. Stretch us, Lord. Stretch our faith. Stretch our giving. Stretch, Lord, our, our gifts of caring for others. And may, Lord, we ask for your help along the way. Because this is not an easy calling, not an easy challenge. But, Lord, you can do it. You can help us, grow us, sanctify us. Lord, shape us for your glory and your honor. And Lord, may we be people who find deep joy in these things as well. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you are faithful to us, even when we are unfaithful to you in compartments of our lives. May we be a people who are about your business and your business alone. And all God's people say, Amen.